The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. And welcome to Wizards Half, the podcast where I cover the stuff we didn't get to in the Wizards main episode, and this is episode 15.5. So we're going to dive right in to the amazing art section, and first we have a very, very cool Iron Man shooting the wizard cloak with kind of an interesting black and blue background one of Iron Man's boots is shooting rockets and one isn't shooting anything and then his two hands are shooting off photon blasts. It's very 90s style Iron Man which is pretty cool. It looks really really good. Like really good. This is by Wade Chitwood from Issaquah, Washington. So the next one we have is a Thor and this Thor really looks like a Lebowski-style Thor from Avengers Endgame with the beard the way it is, and it's uh, he's kind of bulky in the midsection. It's interesting. I dig it, though. It's very cool. The, the cape is really, really nice, and there's lightning coming out of Mjolnir all different directions, and there's the actual cape of Thor is a wizard cloak, and there's this almost like a vortex behind him. So I started thinking about this, and I'm going to digress for a second because this was on my mind recently. Please tell us, when I describe to you guys the artwork in the books, does it sound like someone who's trying to explain to you an episode of Lost, and you've never seen Lost before, and it's like, you know, uh, these guys, they, they had a plane, and they got, you know, stranded on an island. You don't know if they're dead or they're alive. It's like... I wonder if I'm just rambling on and I'm just doing very, very bad explanations of things and you're just like, what is he talking about? He's just rambling on and I can't I can't see it, so how can I know what he's talking about? I try really hard to explain it, but I feel like sometimes my details are just blah, gobbledygook and I don't know what I'm saying. But this Thor, to get back where I was actually talking about, was done by a guy named Larry Tuwig. Larry Tuhig? Yeah, let's go t- let's go with Larry Tuhig. Rockaway Park, New York. Oh cool. It's not too far from me. So the next one is a fantastic Joker. And the wizard cloak is actually Joker's purple jacket. Uh, the bat symbol that's kind of like shadowing behind is very much reminiscent of like the bat wing flying up in Batman 89 against the moon. It's really beautiful. Joker is gigantic on the screen with like a very tiny Batman almost in the palm of his hands with like a purple smoke around him. It's it's amazing. He's got this very narrow facial structure and jawline with gigantic teeth. It's really terrific. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. This is by David Wilkins from Charlton, South Carolina. We've definitely seen David before. I, I recognize the name, and this is awesome. The next one is a, is a personal favorite of Adam's, is Exo Manowar, and he's in his traditional weird bodysuit that I don't fully understand and I don't get, standing over another kid who looks like he's drawing or reading a comic, and there's lightning and like the world is crumbling behind him. Him with like a, a wizard cloak being all tattered up flying around and behind him. It's a little creepy the way Exo Manowar is standing over this boy reading a comic book. And okay, so there's actually some people. There's a girl in there too. Wow, this is weird. But it's uh, it's interesting, not to say the least. It has a star next to it. And I don't really know what the star signifies, but it's some sort of 
think this is another one of those Valiant, like, award winner thing. Oh, yes, it is. Winner, Valiant, Gold, Eternal Warrior number one. But this is by Patrick Poltler from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. What up, Canada? All right. The next one is a Scarlet Witch, and it's really, really cool. It's all, like, a black background, and she's doing some sort of spell and there's a wizard hiding behind her it's pretty funny like the wizard from wizard magazine is hiding behind her that's pretty clever it almost kind of feels reminiscent of if you ever read the jsa run back in the late 2000s by jeff johns where uh, alex ross did all the covers and they were all black backgrounds with just like the face obviously this isn't an alex ross drawing but it reminds me of that which is this stark black background and just the character in frame this is by michael king from kelso washington the next one is one I wouldn't normally expect to see on a, on a but I guess it is a this comic is Conan the Barbarian, and I'm not even sure if it is Conan, but it looks like Conan, and it's really well drawn. He's got all kinds of armor, you know, on his shoulder pads. He's you know in his traditional, fully almost totally naked, other than you know some sort of buffalo skin around his midsection. He's holding a bunch of skulls over his head with like a tattered wizard flag or cloak behind him and there's a bunch of spears that are silhouetted which is really neat I, I think it looks really cool it's beautifully drawn musculature is tremendous and it's it's really cool this is by jerry allen gillen so, wow another one from the philippines wow so the next page of the amazing art section starts off with a she-hulk so she-hulk is wearing a bikini that's a wizard flag and she's got like black and red smoke behind her she's holding a wizard's wand it's cool the face is excellent really done but like the head is very tiny in proportion to the body which is kind of funny this is by Chris Morris from Montclair, California. The next one is a really, really quirky, goofy-looking The Mask. The body is almost, uh, if, if you know anything about art, it's like kind of cubism almost. It's like very boxy, and the head is almost kind of like a bashed-in skull a little bit with giant teeth. It's very interesting. He's drinking a cup of coffee. Sure. Okay, why not? Okay, great. He's at the Wizard Cafe. And uh, this is by James Carroll from Hazard, Kentucky. The next one. Wow, this is really nice. This is a Spawn versus Spider-Man cover where they're kind of like battling each other and and Spawn's cape is the wizard cloak and Spider-Man is swinging in and like kicking him. Uh, It's very much drawn as if McFarlane himself drew it. It's very, very cool. It's beautiful. There's a cityscape behind them. It's almost in like a, um, like a, you know, golden hour when the sun is kind of going down. It's that gold and purples flying through the sky. Lighting wise, it's beautiful. Uh, This is by Eric Wolaskowski from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Another Canada. Wow, they're really getting an international vibe on this this month's uh, amazing art section. The next one, you all will laugh, is a is a terrifying alien. Uh, it's really really creepy and gruesome. He's ripping apart a wizard cloak. There's no necessarily a body there, thank goodness, but there's a what alludes to there was something there beforehand, and the alien has destroyed it. This is by Alyssa M. Shipley from Levittown, Pennsylvania. It's very cool. It's really interesting. I can't look at it. It's scaring me. I'm going to have nightmares. I don't know. The next one is a Doctor Strange with some beast-type character, almost like 
I don't know anything about Doctor Strange villains other than what I saw in that movie and the little bit that I knew from Secret War 2. But he's holding some sort of crystal over his head with a big yellow light beaming out of it. And it's almost as if there's some planets revolving around it. There's like a cauldron over it. It's like he's in some sort of like what that realm is called. I don't know where he goes. It's not the quantum realm, but it's wherever that time or space between spaces that he goes. I don't know much about Doctor Strange, so don't judge me. A lot of comic book characters in the world, and I, I don't have time to read everyone. So, this is by Mark Romanowski from North Plainfield, New Jersey. And the next one, this is very interesting. It's as if you have Ghost Rider and Wolverine kind of merged together. Could be. It could be some random character that I have no idea. I'm just making this up as I go along. But there's like this blue flames or blue fire coming out of the head of this creature. Gold hoses that are coming from the back to the front. And he's got like a gold and green chest plate on. And there's a a cloak around him that's kind of sweeping around. And it's the wizard cloak. It could also be a spawn character for all I know. I'm not really sure. But I get the sense that it is a ghost rider meets Wolverine meets some sort of other character that I don't know. (laughs) Adam will post it on our Instagram and you guys can tell us what it really is. And I'll be like, oh, face pomp. Bintiff from North Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay, cool. The next one is Dream from uh, Sandman. And it's it's very, very cool. It's it's all silhouette except for, I guess it's like a cigar that he's holding and it's got like a, a flame coming out of it. It's uh, showing the definition between this totally black background and, and the black hair and the black pants all blending together but not getting lost in one another is, is beautiful. It's really well drawn, like really well drawn, unbelievable. This is by John T. Bergenrund and this is from Burke, Virginia. The last one we have here is a carnage and carnage is on the side of a building and half of his face is showing like his regular human face and um he's kind of like looking over new york city or whatever city he's in but i'm assuming it's new york city and uh the the wizard cloak is kind of ripped and tattered behind him it's very cool and this is by chuck lee from austin texas cool so you know what i want to talk about what i'm reading i kind of like this section because for me you know most of the stuff that i read is modern day stuff so if you guys like indie companies there is a company out there that I've been following and reading books of theirs for years. They're a company called Zenoscope. And what they do, which is really, really neat, they take grim fairy tale characters or like Disney princesses, so to speak, which are all pretty much stolen from Grimm's fairy tales anyway, and give them a superhero twist. And so you have like Robin Hood and Belle from Beauty and the Beast and Jasmine. Uh, You have Snow White and you have a a female Van Helsing. And they're really, really cool. It's great stories. The art is beautiful. They're very compelling. They're fun to read. It's a a different kind of take and they have their own kind of universe. I love it. I'm a big, big fan of this company. I've bought a lot of books of theirs over the years. Right now there is a story that came out called Red Agent and the Island of Dr. Moreau. And Red Agent is kind of like Little Red Riding Hood, but she's also the werewolf or the or the big bad wolf at the same time, which is kind of neat. And she's like a secret agent. She's almost like their Black Widow, but she has superpowers too. She was actually the first character that I ever read from Zenoscope, and uh, 
hooked me into the company. Then Robin Hood is a, is a female Robin Hood, and she patrols New York City and is more or less their green arrow, so to speak. And one of their newer characters is, is Belle from Beauty and the Beast, and she's more or less kind of like a, an amalgam of Batman and Nightwing because she's younger and she's kind of makes mistakes and stuff like that which it's pretty cool though and it's become one of their most popular characters is, is Belle and the first issue is you find out that Beast is actually her brother it's a very interesting story and what they do which I, which I like is the series aren't necessarily ongoing continuous forever stuff except for their main book which is the Grimm's fairy tale but like all of the side books and like Red Agent as I mentioned in Robin Hood they're usually five to six issue runs of each story arc and then they change it and become something else. You don't have to necessarily jump on at any particular point. You can pick up a book anywhere and you only have to read four or five issues and you've got the entire story and then you can pick up another story and so on and so forth. And uh, I really like this company because they do things a little bit differently. They get a lot of great artists to contribute on variant covers and their covers are breathtaking and just coming up with original stories which it's it's so hard to find these days in in a lot of the mainstream stuff because they just tend to rehash older ideas where this company they go for with their own characters their own ideas and their original new stories and it's also most of the characters are are women so they have almost all women heroes which is really really refreshing it's a different change of pace and they do have a three musketeers one where it's two women and one man and the women are so much more significant in the sense that how they are heroes and the man who's just kind of like a strong guy it's interesting i love it if you're looking for something to pick up pick up anything from zenoscope and you'll be hooked it's very cool stuff other than that i'm also looking at dc comics strange adventures I've read number one. I haven't gotten to number two or number three. This is a Tom King book. I'm not a huge Adam Strange guy, but I just was like, everyone was raving about his vision book. And this is kind of in the vein of that style. It's really cerebral and sad. And it's an interesting story. And it's it's definitely worth a read. Even just the first issue, just to check it out. I, I highly recommend it. Future Geeks, Adam calling in on the 2099 hotline. This is the segment where we catch you up on Marvel's World of Tomorrow. This time around, I'm bringing you the inside scoop on Ravage 2099, who is arguably the underdog of the four launch titles of the 2099 line, being that he was not based on an existing Marvel character. And I'll admit, his first issue was the only one I passed over as a kid. I remember reading in Wizard that he was basically a futuristic garbage man turned superhero, and that sounded stupid. Uh, but as discussed last episode, Ravage was actually the main character of the original Future of Marvel concept being developed by John Byrne and Stan Lee, as is explained by editor Joey Cavallari in this issue of Marvel Age. 
which says, Stan, said Joey, has considerably changed his approach to Ravage since originally working on the concept with John Byrne. He took the merest kernel of the idea in the piece he was working on with John Byrne and transformed it into something else completely. I think it's because he's been reading a lot of comics lately from the top talents in the business and saying, how can we meet this challenge? He's very interested in what's going on now. I think Ravage reflects a real change in his thinking. So yes, Ravage was being touted at the time as Stan Lee's return to monthly comic book writing, which he hadn't been involved in since the early 70s. And while it still got that classic Marvel storytelling charm to it, Paul Ryan's modern penciling helps make it feel on par with other 90s books Marvel was putting out at the time. Ravage is a fascinating character in that he is in a constant state of de-evolution throughout the first 10 issues, because he begins as Paul Philip Ravage, I assume, but I think Ravage is a much more striking pronunciation for the title. He's a well-spoken, even-keeled executive in a suit that heads Eco, which is a division of Alchemax, that corporation that Spider-Man 2099 works for, that acts as an agency policing pollution and violently takes out polluters with militaristic shock troopers. Now, I can't tell if Stanley is making fun of environmentalists for taking things to the extreme or just showing Alchemax as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Ravage rescues a boy named Dak from some street toughs and learns the boy's father was killed by eco-troops when he discovered the truth about their evil pollution plans, which Ravage agrees to look into, and that unknowingly puts him on the hit list of Alchemax. It's now the job of his boss, Mr. Henton, who is constantly killing people that learn too much about Eco's plans, and he now has to eliminate Ravage, and Ravage's secretary, Tiana, overhears the conversation where Ravage is identified for termination since, quote, there's nothing more dangerous than an honest man who becomes suspicious. And she warns him, but he doesn't believe his seemingly idealistic employers would do such a thing until he is framed for conspiring with the exiled Mutroids from Hellrock and is pursued by the eco-troopers who shoot him in the face and give him this log scar. Now, escaping to a junkyard, Ravage has a mental break and suddenly goes from a cool and collected businessman to a grizzled tough guy out for revenge against the corporation that betrayed him. And he assembles an outfit and arsenal from the items in the junkyard, including a 20th century garbage truck as his assault vehicle. So I guess that's where that whole garbage man concept came from. I'm going to be posting some pictures of the concept art for Ravage so you can see how his costume evolved over time, but there's actually quite a bit of evolution just in the issues that move forward. So what's interesting about Ravage is since this is Stan Lee scripting it, you know, writing the dialogue, he talks like every Marvel bruiser character from the 60s comics, especially he's very reminiscent of Ben Grimm, the thing. So here's some lines of dialogue from Ravage in action. The name's Ravage, but a fat lot of good that'll do ya. I warned you not to mess with my truck. You know how tough it is to get parts for a heap as old as that? Quit trying to shoot me when I'm talking at ya. It ain't polite attack hostile. Plus, he uses the 2099 expletive shock, but also tries to introduce a new saying, Strongkit, or Tough Strongkin, which I don't think ever comes up again. <laughs> 
Strong kid. <sighs> so as the series progresses, he teams up with his love interest slash secretary Tiana and Dak, and they end up on a polluted and irradiated island called Hellrock, where the leader of the outcast Mutroids, Deathstrike, rules with fear. Now on Hellrock, Ravage starts complaining about feeling weird, and after a battle ends up in the laboratory of this insect-like mutant scientist who identifies that radiation was mutating Ravage. And so he kind of passes out, and when he wakes up, he finds out that this scientist operated on him to focus the mutation into his hands, which now glow and shoot blue energy beams, but that means he can't touch anything. So the scientist makes him special molecular gloves to contain the energy, with the caveat that the gloves will eventually disintegrate, so he has to take them off every hour. Ravage's life is only getting more complicated. So this is so interesting. By issue 5, he's gone from a high-powered executive to a grizzled rebel with garbage weapons, out for revenge, and now he's a super-powered mutant on an island of mutants. So a lot of changes here in the first five issues. And so after a battle in the laboratory that ends up killing the scientist, Ravage is now having problems seeing out of his left eye. So he finds an OptiLens, he calls it, in the wreckage. It turns it into a futuristic monocle with telescopic capabilities to add to basically his futuristic pirate look. Because, I mean, Ravage just has, like, long, shaggy red hair. He's got that scar on his face. He's growing his uh, five o'clock shadow constantly. And now he's got this eye patch. So, also, uh, part of his original outfit was this cloak that was blaster-proof. And he decides to ditch that and turns it into a vest. So he still has some blaster-proof abilities in his outfit, but he talks about it being a more stylish change. So, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, then the coolest thing of the series happens. He finds the Fantastic Four's original Fantasticar and uses that to escape Hellrock. And Stanley must have been so proud of himself. But honestly, that is super exciting to me. I mean, it's just such an awesome throwback because it further ties this 20th century Marvel comics that we know to the 2099 universe. And then it begs the question, when and why did the Fantastic Four ditch their ride at Hellrock? Rock. So I don't know if that ever gets answered. I think it was just kind of a Stanley saying, oh, well, they probably had a lot of them and they had a lot of adventures and blah, blah, blah. But the Fantastic Four do appear towards the end of the 2099 comics run. So if somebody calls back to that, I will be very excited. So anyway, Ravage keeps the Fantasticar for several issues and uses it to rescue Tiana and Dak from mutant Atlanteans, no sign of Namor, who have kidnapped them for experiments in learning to breathe air in preparation for an invasion, but after using his energy blaster powers in the rescue mission, Ravage learns that he is weakened with overuse of his new ability. So this is really interesting. Like I said, he keeps Fantasticar, and if you remember, it used to separate. So what he does is he has all these moments where he's separating different parts of it till he just has the front portion. Ultimately, he ditches that as well. But by issue nine, Stan Lee and Paul Ryan have left the book. So they were the original creative team. It still has a blurb, Ravage 2099 created by Stan Lee and Paul Ryan, but there's a new creative team, and I think this just wasn't the triumphant return Stan Lee had hoped for, I imagine. He had more projects to move on to, but now there are even more changes in the works, because Ravage is mutating further into a creature with horns, fangs, claws, and a heightened sense of smell. And the explanation that they give is that he 
is being reverted back to an earlier, quote, bio-program to a type of humanoid that evolves from what they show as wild warthogs, <laughs> which is sub-evolutionary step before apes to humans. So, wow. I mean, just out of nowhere, there, there's a whole lot going on. Plus, we get a flashback to Ravage as a soldier during the Pollution Wars, where we learn that he fought for the Confederation of World Industries that included Alchemax and Stark Fujikawa against the Confederation of Constitutional Governments. So this is really cool. It seems like this is the origin of the world of 2099 as we know it, where corporations are in charge of everything because they literally went to war against democratic governments and won, which Ravage thought was a noble cause, apparently, and he was 100% into that point of view of, until his break from Eco. Finally, in issue 10, the transformation is complete, and he is a literal monster. He's now fighting for people in the barrio who worship Marvel heroes of the 20th century and literally cosplay as superheroes for their religious ceremonies, you know, so they're dressed up as the Fantastic Four or Daredevil or Wolverine or whoever. It's really interesting to see. In fact, this group of inner city folks were already introduced in Punisher 2099, which we'll get to in a couple weeks, and I'll give you a little bit more detail on what they do there. So it's a great bit of shared universe continuity. I love that, that the 2099 books are taking place in the same universe for sure. Uh, we do also learn that Ravage can revert back to his human form, but it takes 30 minutes to retract his horns. Wow, <laughs> that is a process. So yeah, Ravage has quite a journey during his first 10 issues, and it seems like Stan always intended this to be the story of like a man getting back to his primal nature, but at the same time, you can kind of see that maybe they were trying to change the character every few issues to find a version that readers would want to buy. But either way, Ravage 2099 was much more interesting than I thought it would be. With so many surprises and revelations, it always kept me guessing. So I'm glad that I finally got to catch up with it. And I'll be back on the next mini episode to cover Doom 2099. But until next time, see you in the future. So something else is kind of exciting. This week on our mini episode, I wanted to bring back Pete to do our wizard contest for wizard number 15, because we all know how terrible I am at these contests. I figured I'd give somebody else a shot. And by looking over these questions, I probably know about one or two of them. So it's going to be a crash and burn for me anyway. So I figured I'd give somebody else a shot to maybe do better than me. So Pete, have you had a chance to look over this quiz at all yet? Yeah, you know, I think I, I saw it when Adam sent me some of the, the stuff the other day, but um, I, I haven't looked at it in a minute. So <laughs> I think I'm going in partially fresh here. Okay, good. So the grand prize for this particular quiz is a Magnus Robot Fighter number zero, the limited edition Barry Windsor Smith trading card. That's their grand prize. I feel like that's kind of a letdown. There's been some better grand prizes than that in the past few weeks. The first prize winners would get a complete set of Valiant Unity Crossover series or a complete Marvel Masterpiece trading card set. That seems like a better prize than the grand prize. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, uh, I don't I don't know if this is going to seem like insane to anybody else. I have no idea what Magnus Robot Fighter is. Dude, I know we were talking about it versus Predator, but I don't think I've ever heard of that. <laughs> I've never heard of it either. I don't. I, so, I, 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 you know me, like I was saying the other day, I'll take the Marvel Masterpiece trading card set. Yeah, I was sign into me up. Marvel cards. That sounds cool. <laughs> now, the second prize winners 
would get a Toy Biz Sabretooth action figure or Eternal Warrior number one. Again, I'd probably go for the Sabretooth action figure versus this Magnus Robot Fighter number zero. I don't know what that is, so I'm just throwing that out there. Now, the, th- <laughs> the third prize winners get the limited edition Wizard 1992 special edition or a limited edition San Diego Comic-Con Wizard number one, both of which we've covered on this show. I think that's pretty cool because it had the big fold-out covers and everything, so it's pretty neat. Again, I I don't I gotta look into see why this Magnus robot fighter is such a big deal that there's a limited edition trading card for it. <laughs> like, okay, maybe it was like a, a, a you know a Nolan Ryan rookie card. Sure, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I see what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, there you go. I I like to throw it back when I can when I can remember stuff. <laughs> so, are you ready to dive into this quiz? Yeah, let's uh, let's give it a shot. Let's see. All righty. So, question number one. It just says Armstrong, and it's a four-letter answer. All right. Well, the first thing that came to mind was stretch, but that isn't four. So, I guess I would have to go with Neil, the astronaut, Neil Armstrong. I'd have to go with Neil. Totally unrelated to comics, but yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm still way off, but that's that's four. <laughs> that's four, and it's the only thing that seems to make sense in that space. Yeah. Play more! Question number two is RoboCop's creators. Oh, it's a three-letter answer. Oh, Co- I guess maybe in the continuity of RoboCop, it'd be OCP, right? Omni uh, Consumer Products, the the place that uh, built him. I was going to say cop, so sure. OCP okay. sounds good. <laughs> I just realized that's a anagram of cop, OCP. There it is. How about that? <laughs> but it's weird that the, the circled letters are an E and an O to start with this. It's weird. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> the next one is Frankie Ray, and it's also a four-letter answer. All right. This is a deep cut, but I actually know who that is from... The old cartoons from the uh, Fantastic Four cartoons, and I think one of the other ones. I'm trying to remember. Um, she's Nova, unrelated to the other Nova, like of the Nova Corps. She was a herald of Galactus at a point, I think. In that, <laughs> wow. She used to go out with Johnny Storm. <laughs> wow, you, you, that's good. I'm, I had no idea. <laughs> now that's weird. So now the three, the first three answers are an E, an O, and an A. What is it spelling? I, I, so, so what is that? Like, because actually, I don't have it in front of me. Is that is so, they pull like the letters from it? So, in each answer, there is a circled box, and you're supposed to use those letters as like a decode to spell out like a larger answer. Oh, like a decoder ring. Yeah, <laughs> a little orphan Annie and such. <laughs> exactly. So it's an E, an O, and an A. That sure is a lot of vowels. E I E I O. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. So, question number four is Trek Portable Computer, and this is nine letters, and it's spelled tri- it like spells in my head. Tricorder. Yeah, tricorder is nine. Tricorder. <laughs> Final okay. answer. Okay, lock it in. All right. So now we have an E, O, an A, and a T. Okay. All right. Hope you're writing this down. It might down. be a D. T-R-I-C-O-R- Quarter. D-E-R, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know if a D helps yet either. <laughs> I don't know how it's either. Okay. This this next one, I definitely think I know the answer to. I would hope to know the answer to because if I didn't, it would be embarrassing. Question number five is lion Pantero, and Tigra. Well, that's the Thundercats. Thundercats, ho. That's <laughs> what I think. And does it match the, the number? <laughs> yes, it does. 
Okay. Joe, well, that I one was so. easy. T H U N D E R. Yep. Thundercats. Okay. Another but, very formative uh, cartoon during my early years. Sure was. I love that. I show. think I went from He Man straight into that one, so and then now, probably straight out of that into Ninja Turtles. I think. <laughs> So that letter, that circle is H. So I'm wondering if this, that, that tri-quarter is a T. Because you wouldn't go D-H, would you? You'd go, you'd go T-H, right? Thing. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. So number six is McFarlane's image. And it's a five-letter word. Five letters. I was going to say comics for image comics, but that's what, that's, that'd be six, right? Yeah, that would be six, yeah. So image comic? Does that make sense? No. I, I think it's Spawn. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's another good one. Yeah, that's five letters. That's the only thing I can think yeah. of. Because and and the P is circled. I don't know what this is spelling. This is not a word. It's not a word <laughs> of the English language. So number seven, you probably will know this answer without even thinking about it. I may not even finish the sentence, but what Jedi did in the third movie? Return. <laughs> yes, they did, yes. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> I, would, I would assume so also. And it is six letters, which spells return. The letter circled is R. Okay. Yeah, our word is getting weirder and weirder. Yeah. <laughs> I, but, I, I'm starting to wonder if I've got even any of these correct, if it's based off of that, because that doesn't, not adding up to anything so far. I don't know. So then number eight says, Wolverine has six, and it is Five letters. Claws, I would assume. Claws is the only answer I could think of. Now, it has two letters circled, a C, the, the C and the S. So, have you been keeping track? What does that all come together to? Uh, I don't know. So, it was <laughs> E-O-A-T-H-P-R-C-S. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. You got me stumped on that one. Yeah, so either we did really bad or it doesn't actually come out to a uh, a word so much as just a string of letters or something. Have they come out to uh, words in the other ones? I don't know. I've never tried it before. <laughs> mm. Yeah, maybe it's just a string of letters or something weird. <laughs> well, it, it just says Magnus code and you put the code in. If you get it right, it's, you know, it is what it is. But I don't know. I mean, well, we'll have to tune in to the uh, next issue. So, I don't know. Maybe the audience will let us know. Uh, what do you guys think we yeah, did? <laughs> please let us know. Did I, don't I, remember. did I botch it or what? <laughs> you probably did better than me. That's for sure. Um, so I have a funny thing to tell you. So recently on Twitter, some former wizard employees have been reaching out to us and have been checking out this show and are really excited about it. And several of them have wanted to come on and talk to us. And just last night, we had a gentleman by the name of Ben Morse on the podcast where we spent about an hour with him and asked all these kind of crazy questions. And he told us these amazing stories about his experience working at Wizard. And so once we spoke to him, he sent an email out to his peers and a bunch of them have now reached out to us and it was like, open the floodgates. And we're starting a new series for the show of interviewing former Wizard employees that's pretty cool. So one of the things we're, we're also looking into doing is, after we've done a series of interviews, do a Zoom roundtable discussion with a bunch of them, and you can actually see the guys live, and we're going to talk to them on a video chat, which will be pretty cool, too. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah sign of the times, but also, that's, uh, that's amazing. That's going to be a really cool uh, panel to get together to especially um, tie into this. I mean, again, I told you guys the other day, but congrats. That's, uh, 
that's really cool and it's really great that you got the original creators um attention and are kind of doing them proud by uh putting together these episodes yeah no they, they've been listening to our show and we were like wait what you're listening how do you even find our show <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> so i i wanted to say this and, and we like to always you know thank the retro network because if it wasn't for them hosting us wherever podcasts are heard no one would even hear our show and would know that we exist. And so we thank them all the time. Those guys are great. You should check out all their shows on the Retro Network feed and whatever you listen to podcasts on. So speaking of podcasts in general, so the reason why I have Pete here tonight is because we've been working on the idea for a podcast for, it's got to be what, 10 years at least? Yeah, I think we've been, uh, probably even longer, I think we've just been floundering ideas back and forth and never quite settling on one thing or another, but I, by George, I think we've finally got it. Yeah, so speaking of going back in time and looking back in the 90s, Pete and I are both avid film buffs and know each other, met each other through film school, and that's how we became friends. And so we decided, why don't we travel back in time and review the films that were the best films that came out 30 years ago from now. So we have a show that we're starting soon called Box Office 30, where we're going to take the best movie of a given month. So the first month we did, was it June? Yeah, June 1990. June 1990. And what was that film? Total Recall. Yeah, so we did a really fun, you know, look back and and kind of like remembering about the movie. And then we rewatched it. And then we kind of did a critique afterward. It's a lot of fun. Then we're going to be doing Die Hard 2, and we have a whole <laughs> series of, of movies coming out going forward. Pete, what's our social media for that stuff? Totally. So I didn't want to talk too much about it the other day because we were still finalizing some of it, but finally we've got some actual socials. So you can reach us at Instagram at boxoffice30, and that's 30 spelled out T-H-I-R-T-Y because somebody else got my three zero. <laughs> some some random account that hasn't been on in a few years. I'm going to work on that. But you can also find us over on Twitter and Facebook at Box Office 30, Box Office 30 with a three zero. Hopefully we're going to get those up real soon. Very cool. And also, if you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter for Wizards at Instagram, it's Wizards underscore comics. And on Twitter, it's Wizards comics. And just check us out, throw us a tweet, throw us a comment. And if you want to make fun of me for messing up once again on a, a quiz, because I don't know things that I should know. I love reading your feedback. And if you do, if you know the answer to what this Magnus code is and why it's not a, a word, it's just a series of letters, throw it at us. That's really would be great to help us. I would love to know because I don't know. And everybody, as always, keep your books bagged and boarded. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.